This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 392. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and today I've got Jacob Paulson on with me. Hi. The man who is sitting in the office warehouse place. (laughs) Yes, that's true. (laughs) Bring back the man who... So, uh, today we're going to be talking about drawing your gun in compromised positions and how to do this efficiently, because that's important, always, assuming we're in a gunfight. And number two, and also equally important, equally more important, perhaps even, I don't know, hard to say, uh, that is a safety factor. We're going to talk about how to do this safely, how to do it efficiently, how to be effective, drawing your gun from compromised positions, such as seated. Yes, that's a compromised position, because it's different, and it's more difficult to get your gun out when you're seated than if you're just standing still. So looking forward to getting into it with you guys today. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Laser App, L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. That's where you can find them. Uh, we are big fans of the Laser App software, particularly the, the new version, the Laser X version, which is compatible with any internet connected device. It's a Honestly, it works really well, and it's I think a little bit easier to get set up uh, because I just I can just use my my iPad or my iPhone, or Jacob can use his Android phone, whatever that thing is. And uh, so it's really simple and easy to get set up with Laser X. You can get started for only nine bucks a month. So check it out, laserapp.com forward slash laser x l-a-s-r-x will actually take you straight to a page where you can get signed up for for the laser x version and we strong strong blah, and we strongly recommend that because participants that use the laser x software can participate directly in the shooter ready challenge drills which is we just we're a little bit behind the the schedule this month but we just got that released today so head on over to shooterreadychallenge.com to see the latest drill we're going to talk about that here today i also want to highlight and bring your attention to ammosupplywarehouse.com who are sponsors and participants in the shooter ready challenge drills each month as well because we randomly select a participant from shooter ready challenge each month to win 200 rounds of 9mm ammunition free from AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. And that's where I like to buy my ammo. That's where we buy a lot of our company ammo. And so, yeah, AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. Go check them out. So, um, Jacob, did you watch the Shooter Ready Challenge uh, video? Most of it. Most of it. That tells me that you got bored and... Uh, I got to, I got uh, <laughs> redirected to something else that took my attention away. <laughs> it happens. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, I, I watched it. I obviously filmed it, but sometimes I say things I don't remember, so I got to go back and watch. And oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so this month, shooter ready challenge is specifically drawing from concealment while seated. And I, I thought, hey, you know, it's about time we. Uh, change things up a little bit from some of the previous months drills that we've done and so we went with uh drawing from a concealed seated 
which I think is short of drawing from a standing position or even drawing while moving, I think is the next most useful skill set to be familiar with, drawing from or, or while you are seated. Because we can point to a lot of video evidence of this. Uh, you know, some of the, uh, uh, like even the, mo- I, I have in mind, Jacob, the uh, cell phone store shooting uh, as featured on Active Self Protection uh, YouTube channel uh, where the guy is, he's seated at the counter. He's just at work, right? He's just, he's just doing his thing like he does every day. And he draws his gun and, and goes to town from a seated position. Uh, we know that people have to sometimes draw their guns, use their guns uh, from within or while they're transitioning from a vehicle. And so there's great applicability to knowing how to do this effectively, efficiently, and still maintain safety. And safety is, is, is I think, a part that gets overlooked uh, rather easily with this particular position. You know, from being in a seated position, because you know when we're standing on a square range and we're drawing and shooting, uh, we don't we don't really think about at least too much. I don't think I don't think most shooters really think much about where their muzzle is when they're coming out of the holster until they get it out in front of them, right? And the reality is, if we watch slow mo video of a lot of shooters, it's not uncommon. In fact, it's quite common that shooters will at least slightly muzzle their legs or feet when they are drawing, especially from somewhere on or behind the hip. Agreed? Yeah, uh, it's it's a scary reality. And it's the number one challenge we see when we have students on the range and we're trying to work through this this new skill for them is the tendency to muzzle the hip and particularly the leg. As, as that gun comes out. And obviously most, most shooters draw from a three to four or five or six o'clock, you know, position somewhere between strong side and smaller back. And so, you know, think about it. I mean, if you're, if you're seated, whether in the car or at the restaurant or wherever it might be, and you, you draw a gun from that position, it just, it, by nature, you tend to keep that, that muzzle pointed down as you bring it into your draw stroke. And so as you swing that thing around the body, your, your leg is sticking out. So, just is. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is, you know, and, and so it, the reality is that it is not uncommon for someone to muzzle their leg or feet as they're drawing from on the whole, on the hip or behind the hip. Uh, and I think for the most part, it's not, um, I don't know, you know, how much you can do about it. I mean, you could certainly try to train yourself to sort of swing the gun around a little bit, but we want to balance efficiency still with safety as well. So definitely when I'm working with a shooter, if I see them drawing their gun and they're kind of like swinging it out really wide, uh, you know, kind of out and away from the body, you know, if, if it's a little bit, I'm like, yeah, that's cool because actually uh, they're, they're, they're quite safe in taking that approach. But some people will kind of exaggerate that, and then they start losing a lot of efficiency. Uh, but anyway, it's actually fairly, you know, one of the more common injuries we see on the gun range. And I've not actually seen one personally uh, yet. I knock on wood. I hope I don't ever have to see this happen. Right? Uh, we definitely on our, on in the classes we run, we we try to run a really tight ship and 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 be safe, of course. But 
still accidents happen and <clears throat> there's been you know there's a number of video documented uh situations where people shoot themselves coming out of the holster uh, and, and a very common wound from this is the, the bullet kind of enters in the thigh area on the uh, outside, the posterior side of the thigh, and you know goes down the leg uh, quite often. And sometimes exit wounds coming out at or around or below the knee or even lower sometimes down uh, in the in the calf region. And those wounds can be pretty gnarly because uh, you can traverse a lot of flesh. And uh, really tear up a lot of stuff in that process. Um, so it's you know a, a famous video is is what is uh, a Texan guy? You know he's like coming out of a oh, yeah. famously the Serpa holster and you know drills himself right in the thigh. Uh, finger gets on the trigger obviously uh, way too early and uh, you know earlier than it should. And someone point to the Serpa holster as playing a role in that. That's beside the point of today's topic, because uh, the same thing has happened with drawing from all all manner of holsters. Uh, just someone that is either not as well trained as they ought to be, they've gotten lazy, or they develop bad habits, or whatever it is. Safety's gone out the window, that sort of thing. They're just pushing the speed too much. So uh, it, it's a it's a reality we got to be aware of. And, you know, the ultimate safety is making sure that when we draw the gun that our trigger finger is indexed straight along the frame or slide of the gun. And that can happen right on the outside of the pant or the belt or the holster. And it should stay there until we get forward and oriented towards the target and begin presenting towards the target. Only then might we consider start put, moving the finger into the trigger guard. So <clears throat> now equally dangerous is going back to the holster. And this is one, actually, I don't know if you've noticed this, Jacob, but when I'm working from an OWB holster or on the hip holster, I'll actually shift my weight. I'll kind of kick my hips to the right so that it straightens out my right leg and it uh, kind of eliminates some of that muzzling potential of my leg as I'm trying to go back to the holster. And it's something I've mentioned to some other shooters and be like, hey, you might consider doing this. Uh, I think it's not a bad idea. I mean, certainly on the reholstering side of things, you, you you generally aren't in a hurry. You shouldn't necessarily be in a hurry. And there's a few limited circumstances where you might be. But overall, we don't reholster quickly. So I can take the time, shift my weight a little bit, straighten out my leg, do whatever I need to in the appendix position, maybe step back a little bit, maybe lean my, my hips forward, whatever. That sort of you know, same thing, looking the gun in the holster. All right, so just wanted to kind of throw out some contextual stuff safety wise and and also recognize the reality that there are times just by nature of getting a gun out of a holster that it's dang near it's very difficult and dang near impossible sometimes to not at least minor in a minor way muzzle your some part of your body as you're trying to actually clear the holster makes sense yeah and i i think that like all things there tends to be a uh, you have to figure it out for yourself factor to some degree, right? You gotta you gotta sit down with with a safe firearm and you know training firearm or otherwise firearm made safe, and you gotta just figure out how it works for you. Depending on your size, how big you are, also some other contextual things like if you're seated in uh, in a car, then you don't have endless room in terms of where you can move your hips and your legs, and you got a bucket seat that's kind of cradling you in. And that's different than I'm sitting in a chair in in, in my kitchen, and you know just just practicing. So it's, yep. you know, taking all these things that Riley said, but then also just go and do it and figure out what does it 
look like and what, what does it take for you to pull this off safely? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, all the context I just established was pretty much just talking about standing still on a square range, drawing and reholstering. So now when we take, you know, right, right now you and I are seated, we're in our chairs uh, doing a podcast. And when we sit, it changes the game a little bit as far as obviously we've got, instead of my body now being up, you know, straight and down, uh, where I'm standing over top of my legs. Now my legs are in front of me. And this presents a unique challenge and uh, a, a potential risk. In fact, an even greater risk than when we're just standing. Again, as I explained, many common wounds that occur when someone shoots themselves coming out of the holster when they're standing is a kind of more of a glancing wound. Uh, it may go into the leg, but probably is not going to traverse the leg can it certainly can right but it i've seen a number of images and reports and read stories and, and friends have shared things with me that you know they've come across and typically that bullet's going to kind of travel down the leg you know slightly underneath the surface of the skin <clears throat> but when i come out from a hip holster or behind the hip and i'm in a seated position the tendency is to come right across because that's the normal draw stroke when we're standing right is to come right across the leg because you're you're trying to go straight towards the target. That's the efficient path that I want to take. So so if you're going to take the efficient path, then you're going to come right across your thigh. And included in that is absolutely your femoral artery. So that's even riskier than when you're just standing because while it's unlikely on the draw to get the gun angled in such a way that you would put the femoral artery at risk drawing from a hip or behind the hip holster, uh, now that we come across the leg, now we put that femoral artery into the equation. <laughs> yeah, I think I guess what I was saying is that we got to bear in mind too that it's it's a it's a good thing that you. I mean, we, we want to objectively try and have a draw stroke that is the same in all scenarios. I, I wanted to just kind of chime in that there's a certain degree of context. In fact, I think we have a we have a podcast episode that Matthew and I did called One Draw Stroke to Rule Them All. And ideally, you know, you want to to build a draw stroke that is functional in all these situations. So I guess there's sort of a you know one step forward, one step back here in that ideally if you if you can have a draw stroke that works perfectly while seated and, and i'm sure riley you're going to talk a little bit about appendix and why that that's you know this is a situation where appendix does well because uh, if you draw from appendix you don't have you know it comes out between the legs already then you don't have to worry about potentially muzzling a leg and so that's a situation where you really should have uh, one draw stroke you know regardless if you're standing or seated it, it doesn't need to change now if you're drawing from three four five o'clock and you you know you kind of have your traditional normal draw stroke, and now you're seated and you have to make a tweak to it. That's not as awesome. So I, I guess I just wanted to clarify that it's it's a good thing that you kind of have a very specific draw stroke that's that's applicable and deployable uh, across re, you know regardless of of how you how you are situated or what objects are in your environment or if you're seated or whatever. Uh, but you know th there is no one draw stroke that's going to work in every situation. So we're going to have to just figure out the muscle memory if I can use that term without Riley getting angry with me, um, that, that, that that's necessary to tweak our draw stroke based on the scenario. Yeah. So, 
I, I, I am with you in that where, where possible we can have one, say, say one draw stroke, uh, that works for all or most situations like that certainly would be ideal. But again, it is going to be very situationally dependent and because, and it also is going to result in reduced efficiency in certain circumstances. And that's efficiency is not always the ruling factor, right? So, so, you know, but it is one of those things that is balanced. But what I would say to, if you're coming from a three o'clock, four o'clock, I don't really care for five o'clock. I think it's a little bit too deep behind the hip, but some people carry in that region or even small in the back. Um, you know, if you were going to develop a draw stroke that took a path that worked for a variety of situations, including standard, standing and seated, then you would end up needing to every time draw and move the gun and the muzzle of the gun in such a way that you would... Uh, you would definitely hamper efficiency and actually might potentially orient that gun in such a way that is not as safe for others. It might be more safe for you, but you know, if you think about how you have to actually traverse that muzzle to avoid your leg and your knee as you're from a seat in a seated position. So if you just like measured or memorized that draw stroke, okay, every time I do this, but there, it is conceivable that there could be a situation where you kind of take this path even while standing to get to where your hands are going to marry up. And in that process, you end up unnecessarily muzzling somebody that's kind of to the side or maybe to the side and slightly in front of you. Uh, and so it is very situationally dependent. Uh, and I would say that I, I see drawing from a, from a standing or a moving, you know, on your feet situation as different from drawing from a seated position and that they're two, two related, but different skill sets that I think, uh, shooters should, should work with and should be familiar with. I think that's why, you know, I, I wanted to do the shooter ready challenges month on drawing from a seated position because it, it's something that a lot of shooters probably haven't spent a lot of time doing, don't have a lot of experience with, maybe haven't put a lot of thought into as far as how to accomplish that and maximize efficiency and safety. Yeah, we quickly, just for those who don't aren't familiar with the Shooter Ready Challenge, if that's new to you, Shooter Ready Challenge is a monthly virtual dry fire practice session that Riley conducts. And you can find it at shooterreadychallenge.com. It's free, doesn't cost anything. Uh, when did we start that, October? So I think there's five now. Something like that. Yeah, I think I think we now have five published, and and it's it doesn't cost anything, and it, it's just simply meant to give you some direction in your dry fire practice each month. You know, if if every month you kind of changed up what you're practicing at home in your dry fire practice routines, then you're going to have a pretty well rounded, balanced thing uh, over the course of uh, of a year. And and obviously within that month, you might obviously have variations. Doing the same thing every day for thirty days get pretty pretty repetitive, right? And so that if you watch the Shooter Ready Challenge videos, and, and as you mentioned, Riley, the February one uh, for, for 2020 is all around seated position draw, then you're going to notice that it, it's about, you know, if, if you'll just follow along in those videos and, and do it as Riley shows it, then you're going to you're gonna get a lot of progress quickly. And I, I will just remind people that in those videos, we do use traditionally uh, LASR, the LASR software, but you can do, if you're like, oh, I, I, yeah, I never watched it already challenge because I don't have LASR. I don't have a cert pistol. 
it, like forget it, just to figure out how to adapt the training practice session to you. Uh, with the tools that you have. And obviously we think you should just go get the tools, but you know, there's financial restraints that all of us have. Uh, but anyway, just my quick plug for shooter ready challenge. If you haven't already go to shooterreadychallenge.com and you know, every month watch that training session and let that potentially maybe just outright, just let it guide you and what you choose to practice in your dry fire that month. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just do dry fire. Like that's, you know, our goal with the Shooter Ready Challenge was, is and was, uh, you know, that as we started planning this whole thing out was we want to inspire more people to do dry fire practice. We want to give them some incentive. We want to make it fun and interesting, which the laser app software certainly, I think, helps it be more fun and more interesting because it's not just dry fire because you actually now have a target interfacing with a computer and a set of eyes in the case of a, a webcam or really an eye, a cyclops, uh, you know, watching that target and giving you feedback on, okay, you hit here on the target, right? So, uh, but either, regardless, we want to inspire more people to do dry fire. And so if you can participate using laser X, great. If you can't still do the dry fire, still go through these same exact drills that we're doing in shooter ready challenge each month. Uh, and then, you know, for, and, and the one factor is, is that if you use the Laser X software and you do the drills that we do in Shooter Ready Challenge, then your name will be included in a pool that is eligible to win 200 rounds of ammo from Ammo Supply Warehouse. Uh, so it's kind of like the marrying of dry fire world with live fire world incentives and, you know, stuff to, okay, practice this at home. Now go to the range, you know, and, and, and do it there as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, shooting, drawing from a seated position. I've been very focused so far up to this point in this podcast today from, from the hip, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock position, uh, and not so much from appendix and, to your point, Jacob, I mean, one one draw stroke to rule them all. I mean, one draw stroke that really does excel in this regard is coming from that appendix position. And I know that was a, a highlight or a feature of, of that episode that you and Matthew did. Uh, and it's, you know, there's so many episodes in the podcast now in the last year or two or so that kind of follow the same trend in that we start talking about one thing and, and, and we get to a point where it's sort of like, well, appendix is is the best. But is it really? I don't know. I, I, For me, I think it is the best position for me to carry in. And it has a lot of strengths. Uh, and, and this is one of those because you already kind of touched on it, that when I come out of the holster in a seated position, as soon as my gun clears the holster, it, particularly if you keep your hand in tight with your body and close mm -hmm. to the body as you're drawing out of that holster, it's really difficult to do so unless you're really, really flat across the front. But most people are not flat. Most people have, you know, even if you are pretty fit, you still have some roundness, uh, especially when seated. And so if you keep the hand in close to the body as you come out of the holster, as soon as the gun clears the holster, it almost forces the muzzle forward in front of everything else that's important. Now, there is a about a probably three milliseconds, assuming you're not drawing slowly, you know, so a small time frame where... In theory, that, that trigger does become exposed as soon as it comes out of the holster 
And while things are still in line with the holster and with your body that you could, in theory, get a hold of that trigger and shoot yourself. But I think it's it's very, very, very low risk and even lower risk than getting your finger on the trigger when you're coming from 3 or 4 or 5 o'clock because you have a lot more time as you are clearing the holster behind the hip and bringing the gun forward and potentially coming across your body or your legs it, you know, so there's a lot more time where the finger can get in that trigger guard and actuate actuate the trigger, as opposed to coming from appendix in front. Very little time before that gun gets turned and oriented and pushed in front of your legs and in your lower uh, regions. So that is, and, and again, that is a draw stroke. That whether I'm standing, I'm coming from that position, and the gun is going to the target, or I'm seated and I'm coming from that position and I'm going to the target. The one thing that does change when we're in a seated position is when we have targets that are not directly in front of us. So, why don't, you know, can you speak to that a little bit, Jacob? I'd like to hear what your thoughts on are as far as you know when we have situations where a targets not directly in front of us and we're coming from a seated position. Draw. <clears throat> this kind of goes back to that whole you know one draw stroke to rule them all kind of thing because there's a tendency we we see this a lot when we're working with shooters and they start you know working from a seated position. Uh, because there's a lot of there's a tendency when we're first learning to draw to take a gun from holster to extension and what you know in the in the straightest straightest path right like the the fastest play point the pa- fastest way to get from point a to point b is a straight line so there's a tendency when we draw to go from point a to point b to go straight from holster to extension in, in a straight line and when we do that there's 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 an inherent like, problem uh, well, there's a couple ones we could talk about, but specific to this conversation about uh, when you're seated, the challenge you have is that you may not be able to do that. You're not as you're not as able to orient toward target with your body, right? When I'm standing, if my target is you know to th- at my three o'clock, I can just turn my body and draw and present out to that target. But if I'm seated, that might be more challenging because most of us don't just sit in a, in a chair with no, no other objects around us, right? You're seated at a desk or you're seated at a table or you're seated in a car. And so there's all these other things going on. And so it, it generally makes more sense in, in, the, in this scenario to bring the gun into a high compressed ready and then orient and push out to target. And this avoids me running the gun into any sort of object in the environment. So imagine, for example, I'm right now I'm sitting at a desk as we record this podcast. And so there's this you know, desk right in front of me. It's, 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 you know, it's like an office desk in terms of height. Um, and if I draw my gun right now and I, and I try to push it straight out to what would be an extension, I'm going to run the base of my, the back of my hand into the top of this desk along with the gun as I try to make it to extension, it's not going to work. So either I can push my chair back away from the desk a considerable amount, which depending on where I'm seated, that might work, but certainly not going to work in the car. Certainly not going to work at a restaurant when I'm in a booth. Uh, so the alternative is I can draw this gun and bring it up, you know, while kind of against my body, I can, I can pull it up against my body uh, and, and clear that object. In this case, the desk I'm sitting at and then push it out. And, and that, that's so. I think that's the first half of the coin. I think of what you're you're asking is this idea simply of you know, avoiding uh, you know, running the thing in, running the gun into an object by bringing it into high compressed ready. And so, and we train people to, to do that even when there's no object, even when you're in a standing draw. That's how we teach people to draw because bringing it to the high compressed ready and then pushing it straight out tends to mean faster side acquisition. So even though it's not the fastest 
way to get from point A to point B. It generally is the fastest way to get good to get sights on target to be able to shoot uh, from point A to point B. Now, outside of that, it's just a matter of orienting the body toward target. Think like tank turret. And this is, again, another thing that, that's really true regardless if you're in a seated position or if you're standing. And it's a simple idea that, you know, ideally when I push my gun out to target, I want to square my chest with that target, regardless of what the bottom half of my body is doing. So in the case of seated, bottom half of my body is in the, is in the chair. And so I just need to turn my turret to the best of my ability at my hips to orient my chest to be square as square as I can make it with my target and then present and push out straight from that high compress ready to the target. And that's going to be my most successful way to do that. Now there's obviously going to be some things I can't do that perfectly with, right? If the target is directly behind me, for example, I can't, you know, I'm not an owl. Uh, you know, I can't per, you know, t- turn myself 180 degrees at the waist without getting out of that chair or moving the chair. Um, but I might have to just break from my two-handed grip. I might have to go one-handed in order to get something that's, you know, 150, 130 degrees, you know, to, to one side or the other, uh, or whatever that looks like. And, and that, that's just the nature of that beast. Am I, am I, did I go where you wanted me to go, Riley? I wasn't entirely sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a starting place as far as beginning to understand how to draw in a manner, uh, to then place the, the gun. In a, in a position where you can then go whatever direction you need to, uh, where you're not continuing, you know, to put your lower uh, limbs at risk. Now, that's the starting place, though, right? Because, uh, and you covered it very well that, you know, the, I call it now clearing my legs. Like I'm clear, I'm getting clear of my legs to where the muzzle of the gun is above this plane that my legs are on, right? And it's even more critical when we're seated like in a vehicle and my feet are typically more in front of me and maybe I'm even a little bit leaning back because most of us, the reality is we don't sit, you know, straight up and down in a, especially in a vehicle. And actually a lot of us don't even sit straight up and down sitting, you know, any, any time. Although that is the, the better proper posi- uh, posture. Uh, I, I sit like that when I'm podcasting because I sit up close to the mic here. But most of the time I'm working, I'm I'm kind of lounging a little bit. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's the starting place, though, is to get the gun up, to clear the legs, to get it above that plane, and then you can go where you need to. However, we do need to be contextual about things. Like so, so if you watch Shoot Ready Challenge that that drill this this month, it is that's where that's the extent of where it goes to is practicing drawing in such a way and orienting it to a target uh, to where you are you are minimizing the exposure of uh, your your legs to a potential bullet. All right, but if we go beyond that, then contextually things can change, right? Because you brought up a good point. Imagine I'm seated in a booth in a restaurant. Well, most of the time we sit, sit in a booth, unless we're there alone, there's somebody across from us, right? So I can't mm-hmm. just draw and come up and come up high and then point my gun at you as you're sitting across the table from me and then you know go to the side. So, so we've got to start thinking in a, in a more holistic environmental sort of way like what's going on in the environment around me uh, and how do I manage that the truth of the matter is going to be times where there's no way around it as far as having to minimally muzzle yourself to place less of a risk towards others because when given the choice I'm going to 
risk myself more than I am with other, you know, other people in my vicinity with my gun. Um, and that's just the reality of it. So like imagining a situation where we're seated across each other in a restaurant booth and the seat, you know, the seats kind of close to the table and that's not very hard to do with a big guy like me, you know, then I'm going to, I'm going to come out and I may just go ahead and go right across the leg if I needed to address a threat. But ideally I don't want to be fighting from within a booth. So ideally I'm going to draw my gun, get ready and you know it's going to be situationally dependent, of course. But ideally, I'm going to get out of, out of that booth uh, before I actually go to to using the weapon. But my point to all of this is, the starting point is learning how to draw and being muzzle aware, right? And so, whether you're coming from the hip or behind the hip, you know what you got to do to avoid your leg uh, from appendix. A little bit easier that way. And then, so the the goal is to get here to that kind of sternum area of the chest, with the gun and the muzzle oriented somewhat forward, to where it's, you know, it's in front of my legs. So my legs are not going to be covered by the muzzle. And then I can turn, I can pivot, I can go where I need to with the gun. And one one technique that I would mention, and this is a technique that I that I use, uh, and this is not specific to me. This is you know many many shooters would be familiar with this, but if you are kind of in a supine position. Um, but maybe with your legs tucked up, uh, this would be one where like I've demonstrated it shooting around the wheel or tire of a car where you kind of tuck yourself in, you know, you're, you're in, this is definitely a compromised position. Like this is not a position any, but any shooter should ever want to be in. Yeah. Uh, but it might be one that you find yourself in or that you have to use based on the circumstances to make the shot that you need to make. Um, but basically you're using that tire and that wheel as, as protective cover to some degree. And so you got, but you got yourself tucked up against it pretty tight. So you got, you bring up your legs and you're going to keep your gun in between the legs. And ideally, like I want to keep my wrists sort of anchored against the inside portion of my thighs and then as I move, the gun moves with the legs, right? And that's one way that you avoid from shooting your, your legs. <laughs> and, and so a similar kind of approach can be used in some of these tighter, confined quarters. Like, uh, you know, imagine yourself in a situation where you are seated. You're maybe against a table. Uh, you've got people directly in front or in the vicinity of you, but you're trying to get positioned with a gun in hand, of course, to where you can get oriented towards a threat and address that threat. Well, if you put your your gun basically down between your legs, number one, you're going to minimize, in a lot of contexts, you're going to minimize that that telegraphing, right? You know, you're going to minimize your movement. So you want to keep all your movements as compact and as low profile as possible. And and a very simple thing is just to kind of anchor that gun down in between your legs and you can spin, you can move, you can scoot out, whatever it is you got to do. And once you're clear and you're not muzzling anybody else, now we're a little bit more free to go go to work with the gun. Uh, So just some some things to think about. in a, you know, in a non-square range environment. Once we get into the real world, uh, the the key here, I think, is just training the brain to be always muzzle aware, and that's an important part. It's part of gun safety. It's one of the safety rules. Always being aware of where the muzzle is pointed, where that thing is oriented, and keeping that in mind is at all times is kind of it's it's, it's easier said than done. But I always say that safety is is a practiced skill, just like anything else. 
And the more you mm-hmm. handle your gun and the more you practice handling the gun safely, especially as we start introducing some of these compromised positions, then the more you, 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 you kind of train the brain, like this is how I move. This is how I you know handle the gun when I'm in this kind of position. Yeah, I think there, there has to be a disclaimer that goes with this, right? This disclaimer to me, which, you know, we, we have an episode somewhere. I don't know what episode number we have an episode where we talk about kind of our own version of the safety rules. And I think we have to bear in mind that there's oftentimes we handle a gun in a situation where there is no safe direction, right? There's a safest direction. And so, you know, and you, you kind of alluded to this when you talked about, you know, making decisions relative to, you know, what you're going to compromise, but you might be in a scenario where you do have to muzzle yourself to some degree in order to do what has to be done. Uh, and if so, that, you know, I, I will assume that that must be your safest direction uh, to point that gun. So, yeah, I guess just a noteworthy disclaimer t- to make clear. Yeah, um, and that's that's true. That is all true. Um, there's a comment Thanks. here. Matthew says, uh, generally speaking, my finger isn't making contact with a trigger on a draw. I'm not overly concerned about muzzling myself. Well, that's that's true or at least that should be true right our finger shouldn't be on the trigger as we are drawing as we're not engaging a target actively uh and 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 that's one of the reasons why you know safety rules are by nature somewhat redundant as far as you know we we maintain a safe direction with the muzzle we maintain finger off the trigger until we're actively pointed at aiming at a threat or a target and shooting so there's a little bit of crossover in those safety mechanisms but ideally, you know, it's still preferable, Matthew, to avoid muzzling yourself or muzzling anybody else, right? Even if the finger is straight, right? Because that those redundancies and those rules do protect ourselves for those times where mistakes do happen, right? I mean, anyone that's a firearms instructor knows that during the course of a, of a live fire course, there, there's almost inevitably, especially with more entry level students, but even with sometimes more experienced students, students, they're inevitably throughout a, a day long or a weekend shooting course. There's a, there's a point where you have to remind somebody about finger, a trigger finger discipline, right? Be, because you're throwing something new or different at them. Uh, they're being tasked with, with a, a, a drill, a challenge, a new skill, whatever it is. And you start throwing more variables at people that are uncomfortable or new or unique. And sometimes safety, be, you know, kind of starts, some of those things start to go out the window a little bit. And then you find yourself, hey, uh, uh, Jacob, I noticed you shooting that, not to pick on Jacob, but I like to. I noticed you shooting that last drill. Uh, you left your finger on the trigger after you came down off the target. Um, that's not ideal, right? And they go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Like that happens all the time. So, uh, the, the reality is Matthews, you know, we have to assume putting somebody into the high stress environment of an active shooting that's taking place. I'm not talking about like a mass sh- shooting necessarily, but just, you know, some kind of active threat environment. Uh, it, it's still wise to practice and to be familiar with how we handle ourselves and handle the gun to minimize muzzle exposure to ourselves and to others while all the while keeping that trigger finger safely away until we're engaging the, th- the target. But it's a, it's a, it's a good, uh, you know, you know, but I appreciate you sharing your comment. 
And your follow-up here, I totally get that. Like you said, it's a risk that you may be willing to take. I, I guess I'm saying I'd rather be, it'd be my muzzle than the bad guys. And again, yeah, it, it, it's going to be, there's going to be situations. And Brian Eastridge, he's watching earlier, and I don't know if he still is, but you know, he's a police officer and runs the Law Dog Shooting Sports uh, podcast. And, uh, you know, anyone that's worked in law enforcement, too, totally understands there's, there's times that compromising situations by nature are compromising. And sometimes, you know, you end up having to point your gun in places you don't necessarily want to, but by nature of the situation, you have to. And that's where things like that trigger finger discipline become extra important. Yep, so, well said. Yeah. Um I feel like we could probably talk about uh, situation, other compromised positions like, you know, laying on the ground or, you know, a variety of things. But, I mean, how do you feel, Jacob, as far as time? Do we want to, I'm do not we, paying attention. Do we want to go deeper? <laughs> I guess we, we can go deeper. I think for me, I'll, I'll circle back and I'll say what I said at the beginning, and that is majority of the students we we get in our classes and the majority of the people I talk to have never taken a safe or training firearm and experimented in all these different positions. And we talked about seated because it's probably the second most common position you might find yourself in. For, for me, probably the most common position I find <laughs> myself in. Uh, but, you know, what is it? How hard is it really to just go in my house and go in the living room or something and roll around on the floor and say, if someone pushes me down, this is the position I'm going to be in when I go to draw. Or maybe I'll roll on my back. Like, you know, maybe this is the position I have to be in when I draw. And just go through some motions and say, how do, how am I going to do this? You know, what are some things I might consider in this position or this position or this position? And just allowing myself the uh, the permission to try it. And, and see what it looks like with a safe firearm and to, you know, look at, you know, the safety considerations, the other tactical considerations, and just go through the motions is probably the, the best piece of advice that I can offer. And, and that's where dry fire practice becomes so key, you know, because you can practice all of these things in a safe manner, right, in, in the comfort of your own living room, you know, trying different positions. Uh, I've even practiced drawing from... Well, like imagine someone's got me down on the ground and I'm on my belly. I'm on my, you know, I'm on my front, uh, which is a very compromised, you know, position. And I've practiced getting my gun out from that position, you know, getting it out and being able to turn and address a threat that way. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, a lot of people probably, a lot of, the, the average shooter, the average concealed carrier even is probably not thinking about that that level of detail where it comes to what are the what's the possibility what is the range of possibilities of these different positions i could find myself in where i might need to access or draw my gun mm -hmm. and this is where it starts separating the you know the separating various holsters or even gear choices uh from what I would consider upper tier from lower tier gear because there's certain carry methods and certain holsters where totally works fine when you're standing on a square range drawing from that holster and, and shooting, but then you put somebody in a compromised position and now that, that solution, now that system, that carry method uh, starts to fail in a big way. I mean, a real obvious uh, 
choice or, or uh, option here uh, to this point would be a pocket holster. And I know pocket carry is fairly common uh, with a with a lot of concealed carriers, and it's it's a great option as far as you know comfort wise. It's very comfortable. It's generally pretty concealable. Uh, it affords you a decent draw stroke that's relatively safe, uh, and it can be done very quickly, provided especially you can start with your hand on the gun in the pocket. Right, which is actually one of the strengths of, of uh, that's like one actual pro, you know, to pocket carry is the fact you can actually start with your hand on the gun in cer- some some circumstances. You 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 think you might have a situation like you know the the hair on the back of your neck starts standing on end, and you go mm, something's not right here, and you can stick your hand in the pocket, put your hand around the grip of the gun. You know, still in the still in the holster. Uh, you should be using a holster, by the way, in your pocket. If you're not, uh, shame on you. Uh, fix yourself. But you know, you could start right there on the on the grip in the pocket and pull it out and away to, uh, and away you go. So so there's that, right? But then add the variable of sitting down. Now pocket holster fails in a big way. It's not that it's impossible to get the gun out, but it becomes really difficult and and depending on the design of the pants the design of the pockets the shape the width of the opening the actual gun itself the holster that it's in all those factors come into play as to how well you can draw from a pocket holster while seated right uh you got holsters like the urban carry right you know the pouch thing that goes down the front of the leg it probably works for a lot of situations uh but seated not doesn't work as good uh, in other compromised situations, including ones where maybe you are on the ground and you're, you know, I don't know. There's just, I can imagine all kinds of different weird compromised positions where drawing something that is not rigidly held in place on the belt line, uh, maybe, you know, poses some, some challenges as to getting a good firm grip on the gun and being able to put the gun to work. So uh, I, I would encourage you to think about all these things and to take your equipment and the way that you like to train or what you like to carry and then train with that and do it dry fire first and try seated position, kneeling position, squatted on the ground, uh, laying prone on the ground, uh, supine position on the ground. That means laying on your back, you know, uh, tucked up in a ball like, you know, you're, you're getting the crap kicked out of you by a gang of, you know, four or five or six individuals. And so you've just kind of curled yourself up, you know, like imagine yourself in all these potential situations and put your gear to the test. Can you retrieve the gun consistently, reliably, efficiently, and put it into the fight effectively with some measure of speed? Because speed matters. Yeah, and, and it's it's okay to acknowledge that, you know, no no loadout that any of us are using is perfect for everything. That's that, that you know, everything has its faults, regardless. So it's it's okay to just emotionally accept that your loadout is not perfect in every situation. And so your objective should be to discover what are those situations where it's not ideal and what things might you do differently if you find yourself in that situation. Or maybe you need you could make some changes to your loadout based on uh, the probability uh, of, of where where it's most likely to fail and, and your current lifestyle, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that you know, regardless of what what we say on this podcast, me and Riley both 
strongly feel that there is no perfect loadout for every situation. So you're going to have to say, well, this is the best loadout for me. Or when I started doing this and this and testing this, or I took this class, I discovered that this gun or this optic or this holster or this carry position or whatever insert here thing was not ideal for XYZ thing. So I made a change or I made a tweak or I, I just now know that that's a weakness that I have and I have to mitigate risk uh, or I have to you know, change something about what I do in order to manage that risk. So it, it's about discovering your limitations and your risks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ken says, find out real quick about retention rolling around, jumping and moving quickly. Yes. And if you were able to do like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or some other, uh, you know, hand-to-hand self-defense type or martial arts course, particularly ones like jiu-jitsu, pretty good. Uh, Krav Maga is okay, you know. Uh, I mean, if you're able to do go to a gym and and, and roll around, wrestle, uh, spar, whatever, uh, with if they're open to you using a particularly like even like a cert pistol in a holster that'd be you know pretty cool it's not the same gear it would be really cool if you could use like a barrel block in your actual gun your actual gear your actual holster and practice rolling around and fighting with somebody with your current everyday concealed carry holster setup uh that, that is the ultimate test if you're able to do that uh, there was a question here from Ken any thoughts on using a belly band holster for appendix carry instead of belt well, uh, generally they're not as uh, secure as far as retaining the gun inside the pouch, um, as opposed to like a, a, a like a more traditional you know Kydex or polymer holster that where the where the gun clicks in or locks in, uh, where you have adjustable retention, things of that nature. I mean, you can certainly use a belly band and position it in that same kind of area. It's going to be a little bit higher, uh, and that could change some things as well as far as uh, how you draw from that position from from these various compromised positions like we've talked about today but um, basically a, a belly band comes down to for me not like having as much retention as I'd, I'd prefer to have in a holster um, but uh, but you're speaking generically I broadly very generic. right yes there's a lot of products out on the market and so yeah I think most people are familiar with what we would call our holster deal breakers and so regardless of the style of holster if it checks all the boxes, then it's just comes down to that experimentation, discovering what works for you. Yep. 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 Anyway. So, you know, I think at this point we've been going for a little less than an hour and I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up at this point, but I, I, I'd like to think that we've given folks some, some food for thought that hopefully you, you've just got done listening to this episode and you're sitting there going, okay, wow, I gotta, I gotta really think about my current setup, how I'm carrying, where I'm carrying. And then also, how I draw or access that that gun from that position in a variety of different body positions where you might find yourself. Uh, and, and do put yourself, I mean, go ahead and test yourself. Put yourself in a chair, seated up against a desk or a table, and see what drawing from, from that is like. Uh, practice your, in, in your vehicle. Um, you know, that's, that's a great thing. I talked about in the Shooter Ready Challenge that just went live uh, <clears throat> how you could set up the very challenge that we do in that video in say like set up in a, in a, if you have a garage, put, put the vehicle in the garage, put a target on the wall and you can have uh, your iPad or phone or computer or whatever set up 
you know, with the LaserX software going, and you can practice that very same thing right from within your vehicle. Uh, getting familiar with working with your seatbelt, your steering wheel, the center console, you know, other obstructions that might be in your particular vehicle. And doing it in your actual vehicle is where I think it's really key. Uh, so the cool thing is dry fire practice makes it possible for you to practice all these things safely and do follow all safety guidelines and protocols as far as if you are using a live firearm, uh, unload it, double check it, triple check it. Use products like a barrel block, which we sell on our site at concealedcarry.com. Uh, use, use a barrel block, which actually is going to completely block the barrel and chamber and not permit you to accidentally chamber around or anything like that. Use a cert pistol. Use the cert pocket pistol, the, a smaller version, you know, if that's more in line with what you typically use. Um, just so many different options out there uh, to, to enable safe dry fire practice. But at the very least, make your, your gun safe, double check, triple check, and then go through these things uh, in, in a deliberate manner to where you're paying attention to the safety aspect as well as getting the job accomplished of putting rounds on target. So I think that's that's a wrap for me. Yep, I'm good. Cool. Guys, once again, head on over to ShooterReadyChallenge.com and see this month's challenge of drawing from concealed carry position while seated and give that LaserX software a try if you're not already. Uh, again, if you participate, anyone that participates in this month's Shooter Ready Challenge is eligible to win 200 rounds of free ammo from AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. Do support and thank our sponsors, again, LaserApp.com and AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. And Guardian Nation members save an additional 5% off ammo purchases at AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. Yeah, one, one quick point of clarification I think is worth making. We've mentioned several times you can get started at L- with LASRX for only 9 bucks a month, and that's true. But you don't have to permanently pay a subscription price. If you try it for a month for 9 bucks and decide, mm-hmm. I like this a lot, they have a lifetime license for 120 bucks. So, I would yeah, go go spend 9 bucks to see how awesome it is because that's very low risk, right? But after a month of it, know that you can just throw down 120 bucks and that's you're good for life now and that pays for itself in 12 months or so. Absolutely. I've been very happy with uh, LaserX and uh, you know it, there was a comment or a question earlier about how similar it is to the original laser app software. There's definitely some differences. You can you can go to laserapp.com and and there's a chart that'll show you the the late they call it laser classic and then laser x one of the cool things i really like about laser x is the ability to network and uh, that is an additional add-on i don't remember what it costs i think it's worth it potentially you know because you can you can set up targets in different uh directions or even in different rooms you do need multiple devices but like if you've got an ipad or your laptop and then you've got your mobile phone you can use all of those to set up multiple targets in different rooms or different locations, and that just makes that dry fire practice all, all, all kinds of fun because there's there's not another product out there with that kind of dry fire feedback that is able to do that. So 
lot of cool features and, and things you can do with LaserX. Again, lasrapp.com forward slash LASRX will take you straight to a, a page where you register and you can sign up and and, and uh, begin paying for LaserX or buy the lifetime license. I highly recommend that. And you can check into the networking features and stuff like that as well as you get more familiar with using the software. Uh, a, a super cheap solution to uh, use to get started with a laser, you know, shot uh, thing. <laughs> I don't know what to say. You know, to actually get a laser point on a target from a gun, just buy one of the laser cartridges. That'll get you started. Uh, if you have a double action gun, you'll you'll be able to just repeatedly shoot. If you got a striker fired, you'll have to work that slide in between shots. Uh, so it does have its limitations, but for a relatively inexpensive investment, you can get started. If you want something a little bit more dedicated to the purpose, buy a cert pistol. I, I highly recommend certs. We've talked about those many times on the program. So just wanted to throw that last tidbit out there that, you know, there's, there's ways for, you know, nine bucks for one month and for what Jacob, I don't even know what those laser cartridges, uh, we've got them on our site as well. I think we sell them for like 60 or something, but LASR has a bundle deal. You can, yeah. you can. You you can you buy I can't remember what they charge for it but you get a laser cartridge insert in your caliber of choice and one month of LASR in a bundled price it's a good deal you can find it on their there site you go do that that sounds like a great great way to go and at the very least like I said you can get started for relatively low investment and then you can make a decision how deep into it you want to go so with that we need to wrap it up and let you go a reminder to train right train often and train safe so you can fight hard fight fast and fight true. Take care, everybody. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.